Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive of rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello, I'm Scott Soshnick. And I'm Evan Novi williams and this is the Three Blue Bloods and a Cincinnati Sports Business Podcast, The Sportacast. Oh, I, I thought you were talking about us for a second there, Evan. I didn't know. I really didn't know where you're going. What'd you think of that intro, Bill? Because we every time I ask Evan to give me like a little a little teaser, like something after I say hello, I'm Scott Soshnick, and I, I really didn't know where. I thought he was referring to the three of us. By the way, our guest is Bill Hancock, the executive director of the College Football Playoff. So, what'd you think of that one, Bill? Did you like it? I'm looking for the third blue blood. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm looking. All right, so I guess you're being self-deprecating. You're like, who? I assume you're leaving yourself out of that one. I don't of course. Absolutely. All right, well, you know, Evan's not that kind. He counts himself as a blue blood. He'd look at me and insult me, and you're a blue blood. So I actually I don't know. counted Bill three times, and, and Scott, I awarded none to, to you and I. <laughs> yeah, we're the directional schools, the Southwest, East pointing. Uh, absolutely. Bill, uh, I mean, before we get. Tell me where you guys went to school. I should know this, but I don't. All right, go ahead, Eben. Eben's a, Eben is a blue blood. Go ahead. <laughs> I went to Princeton, so not not a school that's going to be competing uh, in your games anytime soon. Awesome. Yeah, and I was going to say, what can you do to fix the Syracuse Orange, Bill? I, I mean, also you know, not we, a school when, that's going to be competing. When in your I games. Well, when I was when I was there, it we had like Donovan McNabb and um, Rob Moore. Um, Daryl Johnston, like they were a very good football team. Like, I don't know how it happened. You've probably seen it. What happens? I mean, and I know this is not your bailiwick, but what the heck, since we're there, Bill, how does it happen? How does like a, a good, good football school tail off and then all of a sudden have like years of struggle? What happens? Well, first of all, if you ask a media person where they went to school, I would have a 50-50 chance of getting it right if I said Syracuse. Exactly. Yeah, I, I know. We are the mafia. We have the Syracuse mafia out there. You are. And my granddaughter is uh, with one of the other half is uh, Northwestern, Medill oh, School. Absolutely. They they yeah. rejected me, so I don't, I don't like to talk about them. So you wound up at the Qs. Um, I, I, I chose you know, between Boston University and uh, and Syracuse, and I just didn't love BU, the city campus. I, you know, I grew up in New York, so I was used to that. I wanted a real campus experience. Well, and I love the name of your airport in Syracuse, which tell us what the name of it is. Oh, um, we're flying. My God, it's been 20-something years. It's where, where? Hancock, Hancock, Han- oh, Hancock International. Yeah, yes, yeah. Hancock, Hancock International. International. <laughs> well, once, we've, once we've gotten past the uh, the mall, which I can't – what is the Carousel Mall? I Carousel can't remember. Mall. There you go. See, that's what I remember from Syracuse. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's, it's terrible. Anyway, but before we get into, like, specifics, I love that you're asking where we went to school because I was going to ask you. I mean, you started out as an assistant SID years ago, so you've been in the college game forever. And I know this is a broad question. You can take it anywhere you want. But man, how has it changed 
from back then to what you see now is the sort of the industrial complex of college athletics? Oh, my goodness. Well, <laughs> not to give away my age, but my first season was 1971. And um, some so, so Jim Beheim was Jim Beheim was twenty nine. No, twenty nine. Sorry, yeah. Jim. No, I think he was only forty nine back then. <laughs> anyway, sorry, Jim. Sorry, Jim. If you're sorry, listening, um, two things. First of all, women's sports. The addition to women's sports really changed everything in a very good way for all of us in college athletics. And the second thing is, we didn't have anyone on our staff who was responsible for selling anything, for making money, because all we did was sold tickets. Wait, is, is that different from now? I'm, I'm, I'm sure. Is, is that not the we, same as what's happening now? Dad. <laughs> we, we had some, you know, we had donor relations, but it wasn't a huge deal. And so we're, we're way more into the business side than we were back then. Yeah, uh, your your thoughts on sort of how big it's become, and is it to the detriment of athletics? I mean, it's so much of the focus, and there's a need to generate revenue. Years ago, and I, and I've told Evan this story before. I was talking to Bobby Bowden, and he said to me, uh, "Well, you know what happened earlier in the week? The school president came down to my office, and he made note that there were some empty seats at Dope Campbell Stadium." He'd never done that before in the X years that Bobby had been there. And he said, I knew my time at FSU was coming to a close. I mean, that, that's a big deal. Well, it's a different day, but you can never assume anything will, will stay the same. I mean, what is that? The, the, the one thing that is the most constant in the world is change. And it's a new day. And we all know that. And uh, we will all get used to it. We'll all deal with it. And uh, just realize it. I mean, just look back 50 years ago, no women's sports. How dare we not have women's sports? Uh, we figured that out. We're doing it right. We're providing way more opportunities for way more young people than we ever did. Well, it seems like a whole lot of football coaches ought to take your advice because I see a whole lot of them all over the social media apps complaining that players are getting a little stipend or they're getting NIL money and, oh, this is the worst thing in the world and this is terrible, it's pay for play, uh, and the whole thing is ruined. That's what I see. What's your take on the status of NIL and how it's changed and how people are adopting to it? We're too soon to, to, to make a decision about that. Uh, the proof will be in the pudding, as we say. Let's hang on, let's see how it happens, see how it works out, and then we can, I can give you an answer in, I don't know, five years. We'll ask you again then, Bill. Let's talk now about the the games you guys have coming up. I referenced it at the beginning. Three Blue Bloods, Alabama, Georgia, Michigan, and Cincinnati. One of those does not look like some of the others if you, if you think about uh, the money that gets spent in, in college football. But I'm curious what you think of, of these two matchups. Uh, big, big teams on the outside looking in, including Notre Dame and, and Ohio State. From a financial standpoint, what, what do these four teams bring for, for your semifinal games? Well, our semifinal games always do very well, uh, setting aside last year. And we have to set everything aside that happened last year with the pandemic. But our semifinals and championship game always do very well financially, of course. And this year will be no different. Um, people are very excited at all four schools. Cincinnati people are excited. Michigan, uh, no doubt Alabama people are. And Georgia, 
Georgia people are looking at sort of a second chance in, in this season. So we're going to have, I think, terrific games and, and very strong performance on the business side. Does it matter who the teams are? I mean, if, if, if Cincinnati was Notre Dame, obviously a, a much bigger program with a bigger national following, would that change the, the revenue you guys bring in at all a little bit? What, what, would, what, would, that, what would that do? Really not significantly. We, like I say, we always do well. We've always done well uh, in, in all seven years except for last year. Um, so no, I, I don't. I don't really see a big difference from who who's in the game and who's not. Um, our, I will say this: our ticket sales are driven in large part by the schools. Uh, I mean, for the championship game, each school gets twenty thousand tickets. So that's what two thirds of the capacity goes to people from the schools. And one thing I love about our game is the passion in the stadium. I mean, almost everyone there cares about one team or the other. It doesn't matter which team's in the game, people care and they show up. Let me ask you this from a business perspective, Bill, because Evan and I have had this conversation. If the best players in college football got together at a no-name field with just a blue team versus the white team, right? How many people show up to watch versus mediocre folks, but one team is Ohio State, the other team is Michigan? Which brands matter the most and what do we learn from a business perspective there? As far as who shows up at the game... Yeah, I mean the best matter. players or or the team or the school brands. Does, does Michigan, Ohio State, and I and I, I I have long argued when even when NIL was just sort of an idea that in college athletics, particularly football, the school brands are dominant and they matter much more than the individual players who are in the game. Well, let me. That's kind of a two part question. Let me start with the first one, which is for our games, it doesn't matter. Um. And I think it's the school brand. I mean, say we went to an extreme and, and college football became a minor league for the NFL. Well, do you think the Norman uh, Tigers would, would do as well and, and have the following that the Oklahoma Sooners have? No. So the, so the AAA Norman Tigers would not match the Oklahoma Sooners. That's just the way, that's, that's the way things are. Did I even come reasonably close to answering the question? Yeah, no, you you did. You did. I, I just think that the, the school brands are just so dominant. Like so I, dominant. I, you give me your Heisman Trophy winner, runner up, best player from every team, and say we're playing at like whatever high school field this day. Twenty five people, maybe moms and dads and cousins show up. You you just tell me Michigan, Ohio State are playing, uh, or, or Florida State, Florida, Miami. And you're going to get 75,000 people there to watch. It, no just the, it's, a, it's a brand affinity, not for the players. No and doubt. I think you see this sometimes in the in the non-NFL professional football leagues that have popped up in the last few years. If it's the, the AAF or if it's uh, the, the USFL, a lot of these brands, they go and they put teams in southern cities where there's big college football teams and no professional teams. And we see very often that those, those teams, they're, they're professional football players. A lot of them are probably uh, way better than the product that you see in college. And yet, as you said, Bill, uh, those you know upstart professional teams do not draw anywhere near either on TV or from a ticket standpoint uh, what, the, what the local college team draws. No doubt. You know, it's a, it's a trite phrase that we all use about catching lightning in a bottle. Well, in college football, we caught lightning in a bottle, what, 115 years ago, and, it, and it's still bouncing around in that Back bottle. when Princeton was good. If the, if the playoff existed in the 1920s, uh, the, the Princeton Tigers would have been playing in a lot of them. 
Absolutely. Now, Bill, should we consider Evan a college athlete? Because he played, uh, his terminology, not mine, he played lightweight football at Princeton. I guess, what's the weight limit, Evin? 170? 172 was the weight 172 limit. 172-pound yeah. limit. Like, do I really count him as, play, as a college athlete if he's playing lightweight football at Princeton? Absolutely, without a doubt. Thank uh, you. I you, mean, you, go, go to lightweight uh, Army-Navy, and, and you'll see. You'll understand. That we played Army and Navy every year, and uh, and we got blown out by Army and Navy every year. <laughs> I saw that one up. I have to say, I'm I, I'm 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 a, I'm a brother, Evan. I'm as an Ivy Leaguer. I went to Dartmouth for a while, and then I left there because I was in love with the little girl back in Oklahoma. So I wound up finishing up at Oklahoma, and she's still living with me after fifty plus years. So it all worked out. <laughs> the right I, I decision. <laughs> Yep, you made the right decision. Talk to me about expansion, Bill, because every year I just hear complaining, right? First, we had to have a playoff and you got to four. Okay, great. No, number five's upset. Number six is upset. We should have more. I, there's no perfect system. But again, we have been talking about the almighty dollar here. And this is a fantastic media property. You will have folks. I love, I love the smirk you're getting on your face. You're like, yeah, I'd love to sell this stuff. More bidders means more money. You give them more product. People want it. Um, do you look at it from a competitive, just a competitive standpoint, uh, a, an operation standpoint, or you cannot ignore the fact that the appetite among the media companies for more of what you got to sell is very strong? Oh, very strong. But as you know, we, we had a committee, a working group who worked through the possibilities of expansion. And I was in every meeting that they had over a two-year period, except for a little uh, pause. I, this COVID. is where I say, I'm sorry, Bill. I'm it's sorry true. you to do that. Yeah. I'm telling you, it's true. They never talked about the money until right at the end. It was about participation, access. Uh, how can we grow the sport? Oh, by the way, there's going to be some more money. But it came at the last. And I was there. And you know me. I'm honest. And that's what happened. I'm not saying it wasn't last, but they also maybe didn't feel the need to address it because everybody knew that there was, you know, the, the, the pot of gold is at the end of that rainbow. Well, you're, you're, you're going to add more games, so more, more opportunities on television, um, clearly. And what are we talking about here from a, from a guesstimation standpoint? The, the the college football playoff revenue in last year was was, was almost $500 million. If we were to jump to a 12-team playoff, I mean, are we talking a billion in annual revenue? Are we talking higher? What do you think the a 12-team playoff might mean from a revenue standpoint? Yeah, that's a really good question. In fact, is we don't know, and I don't want to speculate. Uh, we do think with 12 teams, there would be room for another network. Um, but it could be that one network comes in and, and blows, us, blows us a number that's just incredible. Um, you know, uh, just adding the four opening round games, first round games, uh, has, a, has a number figure on it. And it's been reported in the press. So you didn't get this from me. You got it from the press. But the number $450 million for those games over two years. Um, and just to have more games that mean more and lead to the national championship will add more juice to college football and, yeah, more revenue. That can be used on campus I hope 
for the benefit of the student athletes in, in some way that's yet to be determined. I like the I hope there. Is there a misconception about college football or major college sports and money, Bill? Is there something that people don't understand? Well, I think a lot of people don't understand how really good things are for football players now compared to 1971. The facilities are so much better. They have, they have so much better health care, physical and mental. Uh, certainly, they're still getting a free education like they did in 1971. But I think people don't realize how really good things are for football players and, and players in all sports, frankly now than they used to be. Yeah, I'd say the competition on the edifice complex, sort of building your practice facility and training tables, that, that's just as fierce as it is on the field. I mean, everybody's vying for the same number of athletes. You got to impress them and give them a reason to come to your school. Who are, who are the Joneses that we're all trying to keep up with? Yeah, well, uh, I think we name all those blue bloods. I th- I'm going to start with <laughs> Alabama. If it's okay with me, I'm going to start with Alabama, Michigan. Those are two of them. Yeah, well, I, I haven't seen the Alabama facility in person, but I'm guessing it's pretty darn nice. I, yeah, it is. And you go to Michigan and you see the field hockey place. You see the tennis place. You see the soccer place. And, and they're just wonderful <laughs> and great. Great for the student athletes that get to enjoy those terrific facilities. Better than the lightweight football facilities. <laughs> just a little bit, yeah. Although I won't complain about uh, about what we got to use. I imagine they're they're just a tad a tad bit different. Bill, I'm curious how one of the biggest you know business stories in college sports over the past year has been conference realignment. Uh, a whole lot of changes happening at the top tier of college football. Does that affect your job? at all? Does it matter to you if there's a concentration of power in the SEC as there a- appears to be kind of gathering with, with Oklahoma and Texas moving over in a few years? Um, h- how does that, if it does, kind of affect the way the CFP operates? Doesn't doesn't affect our operation at all. I mean, we, we watch it just like you do. We're curious about it. We know people involved on campuses. But as far as what the CFP does, no. No effect. One of the things you guys do with your revenue is you kind of divvy that up and distribute it to the conferences. All the Power Five schools right now get an equal share. Do you envision a future where maybe that changes? If if the nexus of power is so dominant in the SEC, if there's 12 teams and the SEC is routinely putting three or four into it, do you envision a world where maybe the SEC is getting more of that share, a larger check than, say, the Pac-12 or the ACC? I haven't heard any talk about that. As you probably know, the vast majority of the money does get divided equally among the conferences uh, and, and only a small percentage goes to the teams that participate in the games, uh, just like the NCAA basketball tournament. That's a good way to do it. You don't need, remember the old deal about the $500,000 free throw at the end of the tournament game. You, you don't need that. We don't need it in football and they, they don't need it in basketball and they realize that. Yeah, I could see an argument at some point where the SEC just says, you know, look, we're, we are the dominant force in college football. You know, we are bringing a lot of the interest here. I think that we deserve a bigger share of the of the pie that we're helping generate than than maybe other conferences. The, the idea of kind of power five conferences and group of five conferences feels like it is potentially an anachronism in a few years. And I would be curious if the, the way in which you guys distribute money, and it's, I would say it's kind of true for the NCAA as well, but particularly for the CFP in which you guys separate kind of the, the five power conferences from the rest, if, if that was something that might change in, in the future. Well, we really don't separate the five. Um, 
there is some revenue dis- di- uh, distribution difference. That's yes. what I mean. Yeah. Yeah, but but as far as competitively, not. But um, I don't know how you would ever say the SEC brings more to the table than the Big Ten, for example. Uh, you know, this is this is a, it's a free market, and our revenue is 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 driven by certain conferences. We all know that. Uh, and I think we've done a really nice job of distributing the revenue based on that. Do university presidents, especially at a time of increasing pressure on budgets, do they view athletics as all for one and one for all? Sort of that the old happy NFL where the big market and the small market, they understood that we're good for each other and I need you. It, do you get a sense that that is the spirit in which they operate? Or again, with increasing pressures, They'll look to tap every stream possible. I don't hear them talking about anything different other than let's do what's best for college football. Uh, you know, with, with, within the reality of, of the market situation, everybody's aware of that. But I'm, uh, so far in my 17 years here at CFP, their focus has been let's do what's best for college football overall. Simple question, how powerful is ESPN in college football? I don't feel in, 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 in my world of the college football playoff that, that, that they are anything other than a great uh, distributor, provider of, of content for football fans. Uh, they make no demands on us about production or, you know, anything like that. I mean, we, we welcome, you know, 50 cameras or however many they have because we want a first-class telecast. But as far as CFP is concerned, um, power is not an issue. I, I, I do think it would probably – it has been better for college football to have the other networks sort of stepping up. And I guess I'm talking about Fox. And you read the numbers on the pregame shows with Fox and ESPN and the, the telecast numbers. Uh, the, the more the merrier as far as I'm concerned and as far as – regular season college football. Now for postseason, you have to realize that now we only have seven games. And uh, if we expanded, we'd have 11 games. So uh, the TV folks like to talk about tonnage. Well, what does the NFL have? 300 games maybe during the season. And for CFP, we'd have 11. Big difference. Yeah, I think a, a lot of people don't realize that in addition to having broadcast contracts, ESPN does a lot more for these postseason games than just televise them in terms of, you know, coordinating sponsorships, selling sponsorship, you know, the, the marketing rights as well. I think a lot of football fans, college football fans even, don't understand that the, the relationship between ESPN and postseason college football runs deeper than just the, 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 the show they see on TV. Well, our, obviously, we have brought way a whole lot of new fans to college football because of people being able to watch it on television. Uh, I guess that would be the third change besides what I mentioned about women's sports, and we're now in the business of selling stuff. I think the third, the third thing would be the number of games that are available to fans on television as compared to many years ago. So, so big difference. Uh, but yeah, we have an all-encompassing contract with ESPN. They do a nice job for us, and... Uh, they're, they're a good partner, but again, they're just not they're just not demanding. Do they want any enhancements? Uh, you know, tech is changing the way ESPN and other networks present these games. Are they asking for more cameras, um, microphones? You know, the way they broadcast is changing, and again, it, it's all about how they present it to their to their customers. Yeah, they they do actually. They want the best experience for the viewers. 
and you saw uh, the, the camera on the hat of the umpire. Uh, you saw the pylon cams, which we, we piloted here in CFP, which was a, a big deal at the time. And now it's just something that we all expect. And the new cameras with the depth of feel where it looks more artsy, I don't know how to describe it. And there's a name for it, which I can't think of. You know, they, they'd like to have that. They, they, they'd like to do all the production enhancements that they can. And, what, if, and, and wait, wait, what if they asked for that? You said, no, we can't do that. Well, initially we said we didn't want the umpire hat, uh, but we saw what happened and we kind of kind of looked at that and said, oh, you know, that might be okay. Uh, we don't can't, we don't want cameras on the field during the games. Uh, we were okay with the uh, sky cam. And, and remember when the one fell in the bowl game, what was it, five years ago? It wasn't one of ours, but never thought I'd see that. Of course, they were horrified by it. Uh, let me see. What else have they asked for? Um, well, they asked for the Megacast when it came in, and I never get to see it, um, but I know people just love that, you know, tuning from station to station and or channel to channel and getting different views of the game. But uh, no cameras on the field. That's that's kind of where we've drawn the line. Bill, you've mentioned a few times kind of the, the oddity of, of what was the uh, last year, last season's um, college football playoff, obviously because of, of COVID. Uh, as we record this right now, the NFL is seeing a, a pretty massive uptick in, in players testing positive. Uh, the, the new variant is, is spreading around the country. What are you thinking right now as we sit here a couple weeks out from whether this new surge in COVID cases, if that has any effect, will have any effect on attendance at college football playoff games? You know, I'm not a betting man. I'm not a predicting guy. So I'm, I'm, we're just going to have to keep our eye on the situation and see what happens. I hate to give you a non-answer, but that's the best we can do no, today. That, that's, that's totally fair. I'm curious if you are, if it's more of a concern for you now than it would have been two weeks ago, if the, the kind of the, the new news of the past few weeks has actually kind of changed your thinking at all or, or changed any of the preparation at all for, for those games. No, it hasn't. Um, but I will say here, we are in the, uh, the, the business of identifying what problems can happen <laughs> and, and trying to deal with them, you know, in August instead of, of December. And I don't think any of us saw the, 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 I guess I'll call it a surge. I don't know what the doctors are calling it, but I don't, I don't think any of us foresaw the uh, Omicron, Omicron uh, situation the way it is. So we're, we're going to keep our eye on it and, you know, just see what happens. If things go totally fine, you know, full full crowds, no, no problems. Is there a revenue projection you guys have for this year? I know last year a drop of about nine percent from from four hundred eighty five million to four hundred forty one million. What are you guys projecting if things go very smoothly in the next month? Uh, the college football playoff revenue to be this season. We expect to be back where we were. So in the eight hundred and the four hundred and eighty-five million dollar range in terms of distribution. yeah, I don't have a number off the top of my head, but we we, we we'll be back where we were. And Bill, you said you're not a betting man. Does, am I to believe that on your mobile phone, and I know you've got one, that the points bet, FanDuel, DraftKings app, nothing, nothing. You, you don't participate in the fun. This is you know change the industry. Not there. I've got my NPR uh, app and my <laughs> New York Times app, and that's pretty much it. All right. So and cryptocurrency, yes or no? Nope. All right. Good enough. All right. Bill Hancock, executive director of the college football playoff. We have got Cincinnati, Alabama, Michigan, and Georgia all, or as uh, Ebenovi Williams would say, 
three blue bloods and the other guy. <laughs> Bill, thanks so much for taking the time. We do appreciate it. We're, we're going to work on getting the cues in there in Princeton. There we go. Bring Someday. back 44 in the lightweights. There Good we go. Dream. There you go. <laughs> you guys right. are great. Thank you for having me. Thank thanks, you, Bill. Bill. Evan, I did not know that about Bill Hancock that left Dartmouth to follow, what do he say? Go to a pretty girl in Oklahoma. I love the, the very folksiness of him. Like even the way he said that, I, I love the folksy way that uh, that Bill uh, brings things across. Agreed. And I know he wasn't uh, all that definitive on on what expansion might, might look like, but $450 million additional revenue for adding those four games, Scott. I think that that is, whether they talked about it a lot in meetings or not, I think that is all you need to know about whether we are going to have a fairly sizable college football playoff expansion at some point in the next few years. Yeah, it was one of those things where, you know, where I say like, you know, David Stern taught me, ask the question you want answered. Because he's not lying. I, I believe him when Bill says it was the last thing they discussed. They talked about so many other things 100%. first. Because he didn't have to. They know there's buckets of money waiting for them at the end of the rainbow. We're going to add some games. We will call all the networks. They'll all be involved and they'll have to outbid each other. It'll be great. <laughs> yeah, and, and interesting in there that he mentioned by name, mentioned Fox. Fox, uh, yeah. ESPN obviously is the dominant force here right now. If uh, Bill and, and there are a lot of other people in, in power brokers in college football that want there to be more media companies at, at the table here at the at the end of the season, uh, it seems as though at least right now that Fox is, is the uh, is the operative one there. If, if it's not going to be only ESPN, Fox is the other biggie in college football. They're way behind right now from a kind of a volume standpoint. But um, interesting to hear him say Fox directly because it's true. If, if this is going to open up to more than one media network, Fox is the obvious second partner here. All I know is that Mike Bulvahill wants games at noon and they're working out. That's what I know about Fox and college football. He is Edmund Novi Williams on the Twitter at Novi underscore Williams. I am Scott Soshnick on Twitter at Soshnick. Cora Veltman is our social media editor. She wants me to remind you that you can always find the show at Sportacast, which is the hub of what will very soon become the Sportico Podcast Network. 